Endurance Defined by Endo Podcast with your host and endometriosis warrior, Teniola Ogunro. Created for and dedicated to women who have been diagnosed with endometriosis or who suffer from symptoms that they suspect to be caused by endometriosis. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for a weekly dose on everything endo. If you find this podcast inspiring, please share with your friends and family. Let's spread the word and inspire and empower women all over the world. Please note that I am not a medical professional. So whatever I share on this podcast is to raise awareness and inspire. Please always speak to your medical professional before making any major changes to your diet or lifestyle. With that said, let's get right to it. Today's episode means a lot to me. This is the first time I am speaking to an endo sister. I am both excited and scared because we will be talking about fertility. It is a heavy topic, but we need to talk about it. Statistics say that one in four pregnancies result in miscarriage and one in eight women are experiencing infertility. So even if you are not experiencing it, someone you know might. Having endometriosis means you might be dealing with pain on a near daily basis and this is hard enough. But adding infertility to the mix just feels like cruelty. I will be chatting to Kumbi Odubogun today. Kumbi is an attorney and founder of lifestyle publication Perfect. She is a miracle mama and recent founder of TTFC, a community for those trying to freaking conceive. Today's chat follows her journey from being diagnosed with endo to finally having her baby. She had to go through IVF a few times to have her bundle of joy. And as I am on this journey myself, I would love to hear all about it. Join me today as we hear straight from an endo sister's mouth. The good, the bad and the ugly. So sit back, relax and let's have a listen. lovely to finally meet you and talk to you yeah. on the show yeah the first endo sister i'm actually interviewing oh wow i didn't know that oh yes. goodness so, yay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited to learn about your story and how you've been able to live and thrive despite mm-hmm. endo so so let's start <laughs> let's do this yeah let's do this so can you tell us a bit about your journey from being diagnosed with endometriosis to having your beautiful baby boy? Whew, wow, that's a mouthful. Actually, I know. <laughs> coming with it. it's actually a lot. <laughs> so um, I I've always had bad periods. Actually, from like when I can remember, I've always had bad periods. I've always been that person in my friends group that has the worst kind of periods. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a situation where like I have I can't leave my house. I can't do anything. I have heavy periods and they are painful since i came i've been um i mean i've been in america for a long time i can't count but like since i was like 18 i've been having horrible periods and um when i was in law school it got really bad like that was i would say about like 2008 2009 it was intense it was periods that like i wouldn't be able to move one of my friends, you know, I used to say it all the time, like, okay, no, you know, this is not normal. This is not how everybody else is living. Like, we say we have periods, but it's not like this. Yeah. But, um, I think that was the first time I, I heard a whisper of endometriosis. Like, maybe, like, you know, if you Google really hard or something, mm-hmm. somebody would be like, oh, one of the reasons could be this. I used to go to the doctor. They'd give me, like, harder um, pain prescription, like, pain pills or whatever. Yeah get me through this period but nobody ever really said that okay this is what you have or this is how we're going through it or whatever one of my one of my really close friends also then maybe like in 2010 got diagnosed with endometriosis mm-hmm. and because she, she used to have just as bad periods as me like me she would become we would be comparing notes about you know what kind of period i was having or things like that so she had um the she she her doctor told her immediately that okay you know what you you may have endometriosis we can't tell because we would have to open you up to be able to tell and so they opened her up they found stage one endometriosis and they they took care of it Mm -hmm. and i just remember thinking wow like 
I remember her life afterwards and it was just like, wait, are you kidding? Like we're not on the same level anymore. We've left. But then I still, I, I think also like some of us, I'm sure a lot of people out there are always afraid about going to the doctor and actually confirming what your diagnosis is. Yes. How to handle it, especially when, very true when you know that it's surgery related or like, yeah. you know, there's going to have to be something to open up. I've never, I had never until that point had surgery before. So as I think I knew deep down that something was wrong, but I didn't want to find out that something was wrong. If that makes yeah. any sense. That makes sense. I, and I haven't regretted something so much in my life because like, as I would find out, and endometriosis is one of those, it's a time sensitive issue in the sense that it gets worse. Yeah, it does. As you grow older, as you grow older in your reproductive years, the endometriosis continues to feed. And so the sooner it's been able to take, be taken care of, the better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had, that was what, 10 years ago, and I wish I had done something about it then. Mm-hmm. So like for, um, so I continued, I continued, I continued. I met my husband. He um, actually knew about my period pains. Like everybody around me, even between, not just like, you know, like my, my family and everything. Like it always just sounded like I was saying, Okumbi just has a bad period. You know what I mean? Nobody really yeah. took it as, okay, something's really wrong with you. My sister, my little sister actually also now also has always gone through that kind of pain. And another thing that I should mention, obviously, is that, you know, endometriosis, they suspect that endometriosis is, you know, it can run in family, like in, with, within the female in the family. My mother did not have any period pain, so she was just confused as to where this was coming What's going from. going on? <laughs> <laughs> so I got married in 2012. I still hadn't been diagnosed with endometriosis then. I'd been diagnosed with IBS, I think, and uh, lactose intolerance. So yeah, that's really that popular and was going as well yeah. for people yeah. that um, have endometriosis. They say yeah, it's IBS. Yeah, they say it's IBS because obviously your, your body's irritable, there's some inflammation. So yeah. I mean, took my lactose intolerance and IBS diagnosis and I've gone with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, in 2014, I had gone home, I had gone to Nigeria for um, a wedding and I came home and my period had started getting worse than usual. For, and for, for, for my period to get worse is like, I don't even know what scale to compare it to because you already think that you've hit rock bottom with the pain. Mm-hmm. But um, when you're like, everybody in your office knows that Kumbi is not coming to work this week because she is on some excessive pain and excessive bleeding. So let's just not worry about it. But then it started happening where I like, it wouldn't be my period, but all of a sudden I wouldn't be able to sit up. Like my pain is so bad that I'm lying on my stomach because I can't breathe. And it's like a sharp pain, which is similar, I guess, to something, someone that's having an ex, like a really extreme episode of IBS or um, lactose intolerance, but it was to the point that I could not move. I called the OBGYN I was using then and he said he was on vacation and he will catch me in December. This was October. Wow. So, so I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. Just lie down. <laughs> you just keep going through this thing. Take some pain medicine. Mm. Well, um, this was going on. And there was a point I was with one of my friends and actually a couple of like, two of our best friends had come to visit us. They were staying with us. And I literally had to excuse myself because the pain was so much. I, like, I didn't come down. I went upstairs and I just never came back down. They had to leave because I'm sure they were wondering, wait, what's like, maybe I don't kind of awkward <laughs> conversation. It was like literally in the middle of the conversation, my pain was so sharp. It felt like 7,000 knives were stabbing me nonstop. So I went up there and then that's when I just Googled like OBGYN. Mm. <laughs> I need an appointment immediately. immediately. And um, it wasn't, I wasn't even on my period. My period had passed about a week or 10 days after that. So I was like, okay, something is wrong with me. And I obviously can't play with it anymore, especially when I, I don't know what it is. So I, I, I spoke, to, um, I was able to get an appointment with him, a doctor that was actually maybe 10 minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. And I went to him and <laughs> I just remember, I actually went with my sister, I believe. And I remember going in there and he was just so like, I was thinking, this man doesn't have a very good bedside manner. He was so direct. Like, why is he <laughs> so like, geez, like, okay, like, why are you talking to me like this? But then he was so matter of fact. And he wasn't, like, you could see the, in his eyes that it wasn't like he was coming from a bad place. But he, he sat down with me for like five minutes and you're just listening to what I was talking about. Mind you, I'm still leaning forward, like in pain. Mm. And he's like, you have endometriosis. <laughs> And I look at him like, okay, calm down now. Like, you don't talk to me like that. <laughs> he said to me, it was almost as if he was accusing me of something. Like, you have endometriosis. I'm like, okay. Wow. I may or may not have it. I don't know. He's like, okay, just hold on one minute. We're going to do an ultrasound. Um, because this pain sounds like it could possibly be a cyst. 
And so he checks and it's a chocolate cyst, which is obviously um, something that's indicative of endo- endometriosis or endometrioma, a cyst released from the endometriosis. And apparently what had been happening for the past 10 days was that my blood was backing up because of my endometriosis being in other places. The blood is backing up into a cyst around my ovary. And immediately he puts in... Um, whatever it's called for the ultrasound, he could see that cyst bulging out. So he wanted, he said, for sure you have endometriosis. And what I'm going to do, because it's actually, I believe it was an eight centimeter cyst that was sitting on my right ovary, like attached to my right ovary. And he felt, well, sorry. Yeah, it was attached to my right ovary. And he wanted, I had to have surgery to get it removed. And then he said he would open me up and see what other endometriosis was there. Okay. So that was um, October. In, um, so we scheduled the surgery pretty fast. And um, the, first, the first couple of weeks in December, my mom <laughs> flew in because obviously this is surgery. And I was just, yeah. like, I never, this was the thing I was dreading because I'd never had any kind of surgery before. I was deathly afraid of general anesthesia because like, you don't know what this thing is. And yeah. being the Nigerian that I am, like mm-hmm. the way I thought about general anesthesia like oh my god so what if I don't wake up like you know it's just really scary like the whole idea of being controlled by something is a fear and so I was really it was I like I remember it like it was yesterday and that was five years ago but um in December so we um my I did the surgery in December and the doctor spoke to me afterwards and he's like oh he did as much as he could and but that when he opened me up the endometriosis was excessive it was a lot and that He's just thinking about how long this has been going on. Obviously, I'd been wow. having periods for probably like, what, 14 years of my life at that point, I'm assuming. So, like, it was a lot of endometriosis. It had covered everything from my bowels. They couldn't find my appendix. Wow. Uh, and um, the endometrioma, the cyst that they had found, had glued both my ovaries together. Ovaries. So, it was just like, it was basically a free-for-all in there. But he said, like he said he was just going to try and do what he could to Mm -hmm. like, you know, get everything out. He did it very, he said he did, but he made sure that he couldn't take, he left about like maybe two, is it centimeters? I can't remember what the measurements was, but a little bit of the endometriosis left because he didn't want to damage my ovaries because actually up until that point, my husband and I were not necessarily, it wasn't trying, trying, but we were, we're not trying to not try. I don't know how to explain yeah, it. That makes that, sense. That casual moment when you're like, okay, you yeah. know what? We'll try for a year. No pressure at all. It's not really that we're trying. Let's not even think about it. Mm. And obviously it had occurred to me that, listen, I'm not pregnant yet. What's going on? But it wasn't really a priority in my brain mm. that that's what it was. The pain was the priority yeah. for me. Then. And it was like, I was 28. Like it's not a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, He's, but he said, obviously, you're a young married couple. You are going to probably want children. So he didn't want to damage anything, which was great. <laughs> Another thing about like when you're going through endometriosis surgery, like you don't really have time to have conversations about what they yeah. should or shouldn't do there because you're under. Mm-hmm. But, but I am very grateful for that man for not only being well versed in endometriosis, knowing what to look for, knowing what he was going to do, but for also doing as much as possible to get as much as much out as possible because endometriosis always obviously has the risk of growing again, yeah. and that's that's its own thing. So, um, that was 2014, like I said, and then um, then I actually we broached the question. I pro- um, asked him about you know trying to conceive like how is this going to affect me he said well endometriosis surgery is surgery and a lot of like you can't really see especially since i had so so much of the endometriosis that you can't really predict how your body's going to react afterwards mm-hmm. your body's been especially since it's been so inflamed for so long and there are a lot of adhesions and because there a lot of stuff had to like you know be taken out yeah you don't know how your body's going to react to like mm-hmm. i might struggle with getting pregnant so he, he said to try for six months come back and um you know see if we might need a fertility specialist at least somebody to talk to that could you know monitor our plans towards having a baby so that's <laughs> that that was my story up until i started trying like properly trying to have a baby okay one question I was going to ask is, um, was it ablation surgery? No, I had an excision surgery. Excision so it was surgery. full surgery. It was cut out. And that was the great thing. I mean, one thing that I did search when I was looking, I didn't know if, I mean, I suspected, like I said, that I had endometriosis, but I was very particular about at least finding someone that knew about endometriosis. Yeah. 
and Dr. Heading in Stanford did know about endometriosis. It actually was one of the things that he had mentioned there. So when he said endometriosis so cavalierly, he's like, yes. And he also told me that, you know what, I am, I am well versed in endometriosis. So this is like, because he, he said if he didn't know and if it was something else, then he would have recommended me to someone else to handle it. Okay. I was lucky in that case because to be honest, um, I'm the kind of person that just kind of goes with things like really fast. Like I don't really pause too much in the process which is really horrible but like i'm glad that he was able to let me know that information because i didn't do enough legwork i didn't verse myself well on the endometriosis issue to say that um oh this is where i i didn't know the difference between ablation and excision is what i'm getting at so like i'm glad that basically lucky that he was was exactly because i could have ended up with someone that was going to do yeah and then it'll just be a situation where i was just doing it over and over again yeah that's true okay amazing so um so now the story from that point to the fertility Mm -hmm. Um, can you tell me a bit more of course yes so um yeah so that um we tried for a year and nothing had happened we were now i believe so we're now about three years into our marriage and um i had to move states we moved states so we decided that okay you know what we won't do anything for now like we're trying we've tried all this we tried all the natural ways of you know getting pregnant like um when we move to the new place we will have to see someone like the the doctor actually told us when we went to him one last time and he's like, Oh, here is your document. He printed out everything and also said he's ready to send it out to anybody. And you know, one thing like when you have endometriosis, your documents start to pile up because yes. you start to have your own little bit of portfolio. Yeah, exactly. Which is the situation where anybody that has any kind of chronic pain or chronic yeah. illness at all. So he gave me documents and then I um, found, as usual again, I tried to find on Google like a fertility expert that we were going to be able to use. And we found one near our house. And that's where my journey actually really started. I didn't, like I said, I did not really verse myself with um, what endometriosis was and what the like ramifications for anything was in terms of, you know, the flare-ups. In my head initially, how I thought about it is that they've taken it out, so I should be able to get pregnant. Yeah. But obviously that's not the situation. There's a lot of stuff. It, it, it could be the situation for a lot of people. Some people are lucky enough that the endometriosis is gone and then all of a sudden, you know, you're able, get pregnant. You're able yeah. to get pregnant because they've taken away whatever the barrier was. But then some people, especially people that have had it sitting there for a while, like you don't know what the long-term damage is that has happened beneath the scenes because endometriosis has roots. Mm-hmm. It has roots inside. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like that's why they always say that you don't do ablation in the first place because yeah. just scraping things off, it's but it's not really taking care of the rooted um, yeah. disease. So I went to my new specialist, let him know about the endometriosis. And he's like, okay, you know what? You're fresh off surgery, like a year out. So your body's still, you know, mm-hmm. like free of all of that. You don't seem to be having any pains or, well, I was still having pains. That's something I should mention, but it wasn't as bad mm-hmm. as before. Like after my surgery, I was having pains, but it was just regular period pains now. At least what I'm hoping other people were really experiencing okay. as their regular period pains. And so nothing like, outside of your periods. No, nothing, no, nothing outside of my period. Nothing outside of my period. I even felt better. Like my bowels didn't hurt as much. Like my stomach wasn't hurting at random like periods okay. anymore because I had a lot of endometriosis on my bowels apparently. Mm. So the doctor um, tried, if he, the first few, he just did like a bunch of testing and he did um, something called a Clomid, I think like receptivity test or something like that. It was for infertility now. And he and it, and it, it became one of those things where you're just testing like you know he says a lot of people get pregnant when they do this clomid test like yeah. because your body's like you know sensitive to all the hormones like there's a high chance that even during this testing you get pregnant so i was so excited i'm like yeah. oh, this is going to make it so much easier I just like in my head i'd always just thought like once i see a fertility expert once i see a fertility doctor once he puts hormones in me yeah that's what the, that's all i need for <laughs> to get pregnant and that was a joke because um (laughs) that didn't work out obviously i was really devastated but um i was disappointed and um but then he's like you know and that's when he started to explain more about what the endometriosis situation is he's like you know endometriosis is not something that everybody like we don't even they don't have enough knowledge about what it is it's a way he described it to me was that it's it's an unknown 
it's an unknown and so you can't predict how it's going to behave and endometriosis is different in everybody also you they can't tell if you have endometriosis in your tubes they can only tell on the endometriosis that they can see like whether it's microscopically or whatever it is so like I could still be, ha- I could still have endometriosis down there somewhere. And it's just like, you know, like nobody would know. Mm-hmm. And then things started to come out from there. Like after the Clomid thing didn't work, they did something called a hysterosapinogram, which is basically a check of your tubes to make sure that your tubes are, um, like to see that your plumbing is basically working. So to see that no tube is blocked and that there's not anything that's, you know, causing tremors or anything like that in your system. My tubes were clear. So that was great. And um, so they were like, okay, yeah, so at least you know that that's moving or whatever. But then um, they also saw that my right ovary wasn't really responding to much. Like my tubes were working, but that it seemed like I had a lazy, let's go with a lazy ovary in the sense I wasn't really responding. But if you remember, like that's where the the cyst was. And that was where they did most of that surgery. So it was like, okay, you see like, We've seen that you have endometriosis. We've seen that, you know, like your body's not really responding. Like it doesn't, you're not getting pregnant. So it's up to you to decide with endometriosis, they would recommend um, IVF. They actually, I think, I believe he recommended IVF right away. After like, I had tried for like another couple of months and they were like, oh, it's endometriosis. It's what it is. And so that was where we left things i started i started ivf in december november of 2015 and um i was so excited because it was like this is the final lap this ivf like at the end of the day what again like <laughs> this is the holy this is what like in my head it was always the you know the it's the celebrity's choice for guaranteeing having a baby regardless of yeah. how old you are are you kidding and i'm 29 like this is not a thing like it's not a problem so i started ivf then and everything was like we, the whole ivf process is very involved and it involves a lot of monitoring which was great but like you know you get injected you, you go through <laughs> a lot of injections every day i'd say about three or four and depending on what your situation is and so they just keep monitoring you to make sure that those injections are actually like you know making an impact on your body or your eggs and your body's responding to it and so like i was going and the i was doing my injection my follow stem and my i believe what i was using them was menopure and we we were going to the doctor and i think the first time i went the doctor was like oh look you have follicles which is i guess the handles of where the eggs will come out from and I was so excited because I was like, okay, at least my body's responding to the hormones. Like, this is great and it's good. And then the next, I think I went three days later or maybe five days later. And he said that, okay, your follicles are not, they're growing, but they're not growing at the same rate. And that one of them was looking like it was ready for, ready to mature, like basically ready to mature way faster than the other ones. So they're going to try and tamper it down a bit for a couple of days and see where it went. Anyways. It's quite a long story short for that cycle. I went again and then he had said that it looked like I was only producing one egg. Like one um, follicle was working, like responding to all the medication that they were giving. And that unfortunately they would not be able to do IVF with, like they can't guarantee cycle. So they were going to have to convert the cycle into an IUI cycle and just hope for the best. Because at the end of the day, you know, like it's still, you've done all the legwork for the treatment. So like chances are that the IUI would still result in a pregnancy. It's possible. So of course, my optimistic self as usual, I was like, yep, maybe that's what God wants. Like maybe I'm not supposed to go through this whole process. Do you know what I mean? Like the IUI is just going to work. I was supposed to go home for a wedding. I stayed back because I needed to like... I must be pregnant. Um, like, I don't want to mess anything up. I don't want to go anywhere. And, anywhere. And just like, you be know, very I, careful. No yes, exercise. No, just do no leg work. I was lying yeah. down. I waited. And, um, well, it didn't work. So the um, that was when, I think that was when I mentally knew now that this was going to be a battle. Mm-hmm. Like, that things were not, it's not just that simple. Yeah. The um a couple of months later, well, w- one thing that everybody that anybody will recognize anybody that's going through the infertility process is that you you also have a sense of urgency in your spirit when 
when you're going through it because you're like, okay, this could be my chance. This could be my chance. There's no time to waste. Like my body's still like, everything is always like, let's go to the next thing because something's going to work and it's going to work next time. Like they just keep trying. Like, yeah. And obviously that's not how it works in the medical system either because it's like, okay, this IUI failed. Your IVF cycle failed. Like it, it didn't work. Let's stop and think about what it is that we can do differently the next time because I kept hearing the same conversation coming up. They kept saying, endometriosis is its own beast. It's its own thing. It's not going to work. Like, it's not that it's not going to work. It's not, it's not something you can predict. Yeah. And for me, especially since the kind of person I am, I'm an attorney, I'm like very fact-based, especially. I'm very fact and argument-based in general. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the kind of person that, like, if you're telling me I have this and we do this, why can't this cure this? Like, so it was really, really hard for me to digest that information to so, like wait and move on to the next thing mm-hmm. but um thankfully it wasn't too long they were like okay you've had a lot of hormones in your system so let's pause we have to go back to the beginning and start with your next period and do a baseline ultrasound to make sure that your body has calmed down from all of the drama so we did that but thankfully we didn't have to wait too long it was like maybe a, like a month in between like maybe we started trying again I got my, I think I got my period like the first week in December or something. And then we started trying again in January. Like they came in and said, okay, so we can do this again. We'll go with a different protocol. So they kind of tempered everything down and we used a different protocol. And um, this time it was IVF. So they used a different kind of, I guess, dose of the same drugs. And I got follicles. I was so excited. And this time they were like, okay, no, you're actually going to make it to retrieval. And so we made it to retrieval. And um, that was its own process. I had to go under, and then they they let, they let you know how it's going to go. And you just retrieve the eggs, and they'll let you know when you wake up how many you have. And then you start waiting to see how those eggs do overnight each night until either the third day or the fifth day. So they had explained that to me, and I was I was like looking forward to having what I understood was that the fifth day would be like embryos that make it to the fifth day would be. Um, they'll pick some to freeze and you know those ones are the ones that are usually really strong and have a better chance of doing well when you do the transfer um so they did mine and <laughs> they told me they, they retrieved four eggs so i was really happy <laughs> like four whole eggs that's amazing and um out of those four two were um actually mature i believe and two fertilized mm-hmm. so those numbers were very disappointing for like someone, someone relatively young and that hadn't yeah. had any, like, you know, like they, they didn't really say there was going to be an issue per se. So they, um, they did the, they did the retrieval and it was four and then only two for, um, it was two, I believe. I can't like, it's a blur now every now and then, but they told me that, okay, at least we can hope that these two make it to the end and then they will do the transfer. Yeah. That was, and I started waiting. The two, I now really started feeling really encouraged because the two kept going and it was making it through the days. But on the third day, they were like, okay, since it's only two, they don't want to risk them not maturing to the fifth, um, fifth day. So we just need to go ahead and give them a better chance inside you by transferring them. So okay. they did that. And mm, as usual, they did like another day, another story after another two weeks waiting. Yeah. And it was just absolutely devastating because you think that this almighty IVF is what's going to work for you. And as usual, it was the same conversation. Endometriosis is its own monster. We don't know what's going to happen. This is how it's going to be. And so that's how it it just really continued that way. I did another, the next time, because of my endometriosis, which is why this is, which is something that I didn't know about apparently like endometriosis can also cause your shells of your eggs to be a bit harder. So it's harder to penetrate or something like that. This is something I didn't know. Like I said, it's always something new. Yeah. And so they wanted me to wait six months and see, um, actually go on Lupron for anybody that has endometriosis. I'm sure they know whether if not Lupron, they know something related to it where it kind of just mutes your body. Yeah. And, like puts you in a dull state so that you can, um, see maybe your body can you know at least calm down from all the inflammation and then try again and that's what we did we waited and i was on lupron and it's horrible side effects of like hot flashes and just like terrible moods and like everything and we did lupron for 
a while then got on the IVF horse again <laughs> um we tried again like with the IVF another IVF cycle and this time because I think a combination of the Lupron the combination of I decided to change my diet as well yeah. and make sure that I wasn't eating foods that would really flare my situation up I cut soy and things like that um I believe like everything was like a, it was a whole combination of its whole self and I was able to get um they got 10 eggs actually okay. they got 10 but only five were um were mature four fertilized and so then like four fertilized and then then I was able to wait to the fifth day and only three made it to the fifth day for freezing so that's that's how that was the whole process they did a transfer again of um two of them and it still did not work <laughs> it yeah yeah, it still did not work. I always, I always get to that point where it, you just always feel like, okay, so this one's going to work. Like it's going to work now because everything's working out and yeah. it still did not work. So it became its own, even to the point that for right after that appointment, I had an, I, after the disappointing news anyway, we went to the doctor again to discuss what the next steps were. And even him, he's like, well, you know, like I actually have to, all of us in the practice are going to have to consult and see what to do. We'll let you know what our options are. Like we'll let you know what your options are. And just, it really like the tone was changing. The tone was changing in my spirit. The tone was changing in my doctor's office. The tone was changing everywhere because you just, you just become so heartbroken that this is going on for so long and things aren't mm-hmm. working. And, um, so we waited again. We waited a couple of months. We we just kept, like, it just always ended up becoming a weight of its own. And then um, they they contacted me and wanted to try something new because they were worried that also another thing that the endometriosis could be causing was maybe that I wasn't implanting. Maybe, mm-hmm. like, the embryos weren't able to implant because of, like, some flare-ups within my yeah. womb or, like, my womb or, like, you know, like, things like the the thing is nobody had a definite answer because all of this is really up to like these small numbers that you start to hear like you start to hear things like oh you know it's really only a 20 percent chance or i don't even know what the Mm -hmm. percentage don't quote me but like it's really only a 20 percent chance that you can get pregnant naturally anyway like regardless of if you have endometriosis or not like every cycle is already a crapshoot so like adding endometriosis into it now really starts to diminish your chances so I decided, like, I mean, I just kept one thing that I knew was I was just going to keep trying. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't like I, I was just going to keep trying, and obviously, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I was able to at least find a way to afford these treatments because in the state that I was, at least in in based on the insurance that I had, it wasn't covered. Um, fertility treatments weren't covered, so like it really started to weigh on us financially as well. But at least we were still able to keep going. By now we're in 2017 and it's been going on for so long, but like, it's like, it's so funny when I'm looking back now, the numbers don't sound that crazy. Like, Oh, you know, it was only four years you were trying. Like, it's not that terrible. But then when you're in there, every single day feels like the longest day of your life. Every single day, every single time somebody is opening, like somebody looks at you and is like, Oh, so how far? Like, are you, are you guys going to try getting pregnant soon? Every single day is pain. Like it's just, it becomes a year in your head and Hmm. it's like whether it's three months whether it's six months like when you are struggling with that infertility like nothing else matters because your body keeps disappointing you in the thing that you're trying to make it do and it's 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 truly something that i do not wish on my worst enemy because everybody's just always like we're all conditioned to keep it quiet while we're going through it and it's already a bad situation when you have endometriosis because you're conditioned to tell yourself that you're it's you're overreacting about your pain. You're conditioned yes. to tell yourself that, you know what, like it's supposed to still wake up every morning and go and do something like or the yep. other and, 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 and attend to other people when you're dying inside from the pain that you're going through. And then add in infertility into that. Not only do you feel like crap, but then also yeah. like you're not getting the results that you're expecting from what you're doing. Yeah. So it really just became, it became its own monster. They, um, so they wanted to test my implantation. They did something called an endometrial receptivity array or something called ERA. And it was like some test that they were now doing. It was from Sweden or something. And they basically just do an endometrial biopsy of your uterus, of your endometrial lining or whatever. Sorry. (laughs) Sometimes I don't know the words, but like, 
they do a biopsy, a uterine biopsy, and then they send it there to see what your actual windows of ovulation and um, implantation are, like when your body's peak for implantation. And so they did that. They sent it out. Apparently, what used to, like, this technology had gotten to the point they'd be able to tell you, narrow it down to, I think, actually, like a four or six hour window of when you would be implanting. So that's when they would need to do the so you just keep going. Like, so that's what we did. We did that and they came back and they were able to narrow down my window. I think I, apparently I was hoping that they would come back and tell me that my window was wrong completely. Like, so we've been getting it wrong all this time. And they're like, no girl, it just says exactly. It's exactly when they, they said it was like it when was. they expected that I was implanting. But like, I don't know if that's the exact window they had been using before, but they were like, they're going to just basically since my test came back as receptive and it says that that was when I was in like peak for implantation. Yeah. They're going to just repeat that cycle with yeah. one, one frozen embryo that I had <laughs> and wow. do um, transfer. And um, in April, that's what we did. And for the first time in like my entire life, I got pregnant. And so wow. like, it was literally the one gift, like my one <sighs> last embryo. Like it was, it was, um, it was, it was something. It was, it was like, it wasn't, I can't even say it's one thing or the other. It was just like, that was the first time that my husband and I had seen the positive pregnancy test. Yeah. And it was, it was the beginning of our new life. Like that was the minute that <laughs> every single aspect of like this whole story just changed for mm-hmm. us. And so, yeah, we got pregnant and, um, because of my history and because of my multiple IVFs and multiple everything, um, they put me on progesterone from mm-hmm. second, like maybe like three, a couple of days after like they had done the transfer. I had to take, I don't know, like if anybody's familiar with IVF, like in all my IVF cycles, I had to take Xanax like to calm my body so that when they're doing the transfer, your body doesn't flare up. Right. So like it's, it's important that you ask for whatever, like, whatever you can to calm yourself because it's really, really stressful during the transfer. That's something that I didn't mention. Like it's super, like you, you, you start getting anxiety that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, like you now start freaking out and then I don't even know, but I can't even point. I just know that that was my, that was my time to have. Like, obviously looking back, it was the time it was, it was everything it was a combination of God's miraculous gift for us. But um, yeah, I got pregnant and I was on progesterone and monitored on actually throughout my pregnancy i was monitored from from five weeks up until um my son was born because of the endometriosis they didn't know they couldn't they said okay i've gotten pregnant now and as long as i make it past like a particular point but beyond endometriosis to ivf also has its own risks in terms of like a successful pregnancy so they wanted to watch it wasn't even about the endometriosis anymore now it was about the ivf and making sure that everything was like you know successful so we did that and then i got i got some complications towards the end like 36 weeks in and it was um my fluid in my system like for i don't know if it was i i, I don't if the doctor said it didn't have anything to do with ivf but it could be something to do with the endometriosis but they can't tell but it was like i started getting a lot like my amniotic fluid was a lot and so they were worried that they didn't want, they, they wanted to make sure the baby was okay. They did all the tests. Okay. And so I had to have a C-section towards like three weeks before my son's due date. But beyond that, everything was completely fine. And we're here now. It's been two years since, um, well, it's my son's one and a half. And so it's, it's just incredible. Like that's my entire story. And I'm sorry it was so long. No, it was so it was interesting. And it's actually it's the beginning of your story is very similar, especially because it's endometriosis. It's very Mm -hmm. similar and very familiar with Mm -hmm. many of us and what we've been through or what we're going through. So knowing that you went from you know having endometriosis, being in pain all the time to you know having excision surgery and then having at least a better quality of life yeah. and then going from that to also the ivf process and you know multiple cycles and then having your baby it's mm-hmm. it gives me so much hope and <laughs> it makes me so happy and it shows you how strong we are and what yeah. our bodies are able to endure so 
thank you so much for sharing and i'm holding on to your testimony and your story and i'm hoping that you know it will happen for me and for many other women out there amen amen amen. thank you so much so um do you have any tips that um you would give anyone that is currently experiencing ivf in terms of food exercise well-being so everything from maybe the process of getting ready for egg stimulation and retrieval to freezing and then implantation what what um tips would you give anyone out there well okay so i have (laughs) i don't even know funny enough is that like i said i wasn't really familiar with so many things about endometriosis when i was getting like you know when i was going through it but ivf i decided to arm myself with as much information as possible from the beginning like there's I feel like with IVF, especially since it takes so much from you throughout, like it's, it's not like it's a one week thing. It's a whole, like it's, it's months of your life at a time. Yeah. It's really important that you advocate for yourself as much as possible. Like make sure you, you know what you're talking about too. So that when the doctor starts using all these big words, you're able to say, okay, but what is this, is this, is this protocol better for me than this protocol? I mentioned I know if they find it annoying, but at the end of the yeah. day, it's your life. Right. It's your life at the end of the day. And it's you, it's your life, it's your money, it's your you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's your it's your fertility on the line as well. So like it's really like I'm sure between my sister and I, the words that we even knew, um my husband's actually a doctor as well, he's a pediatrician. So yeah, okay. he like he tends to just, you know, he's he's more sane and level headed. But my sister and I just kept coming with facts. Like, okay, so this person said <laughs> by facts, I mean this is what another mother went through. <laughs> <laughs> like this person said this it's really important for you to at least speak up about that and then um i think for me i can't say that this is what worked or this is wasn't work as you can hear from and i haven't even said a lot of it but i went through numerous cycles so it's not it's not it's not i can't say that one thing worked separate from the other mm-hmm. but i think you should ask about implantation ask about those kind of things mm-hmm. ask about um and then as far as your body is concerned during maybe like in between the third and the fourth cycle i started to take my fitness seriously Mm -hmm. i'm not like you know a gym person or anything like that but then i started to try and eat a bit healthier so i started i started to cut out a lot of sugar because i had read that endometriosis really loves the sugar so and like you know and not just endometriosis i think pcos as well Mm. is affected by the like foods that can cause inflammation in your body so i tried to cut back I, I actually come back significantly on that. I went on, on like, you know, a real less carb binge and like, you know, started working on like protein and things like that. And I felt better. So I felt like my body was also feeling better in general in terms of how, like, because it was helping with my pain. So I wasn't eliminating my pain, but I felt like the food aspect also was I basically was down to try anything <laughs> at that point, like to contribute to it. Yeah. Also, um, obviously with IVF, like gym is not really an option once you start going through the like stimulation part of things. So I just tried to take things as simple, easy as possible. I feel like my first two cycles, I was so agitated. Like I was so anxious Mm -hmm. about everything. Like, you know, the kind of thing where your heart is just beating all the time because you can't, like I almost had an accident one day when I was driving back from one of of my appointments. And it was just really because I was really, really intensely like you, there's so much at stake and you want it to work really really bad but i feel like there's also a lot that we a lot that we can support it with when we're like you know internally and also with ivf i didn't have this problem but i know a few people that had the hyperstimulation problem when they were doing the ivf from like you know for some people that are more sensitive to the hormones so it's really important that you speak up for yourself and let them know right away so that you're not endangering yourself. So I feel like those were the things for me. And lastly, and most importantly, like I, I wouldn't, if I was looking back, I wouldn't have put so much, like I would, I would have prepared myself more mentally to know that doesn't mean that it might not work on the first try. I know how devastated I was about it not working. It really set me back. I did like emotionally, I just was not in a good place for like a year because I was so sure that this was the answer to work. So I was just ready to try any, as time moved on, as I grew into, into the process, I was able to, I was ready to try anything to get pregnant. But like in the beginning, I was sure that, but I was putting too much pressure on each step that it became, 
it was not great for me emotionally, not mm-hmm. at all. So yeah, but I'm hoping that everybody that's listening is able to get their own big fat positive and just like you know move on from this process, yeah. so that it's not something that just buries you constantly, like like it did for me. So what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> was or is your biggest source of strength how did you cope i know you said it was really hard and devastating Mm -hmm. especially during the ivf but what what kept you grounded what gave you strength well i i believe in god so like i grew in my spirituality for sure in this whole process like it was like I mean, honestly, when you have nowhere else to run to at, at, at the end, like once you realize that there's nothing, like, do you know what I mean? Like you're just exhausted. Yeah. Then you start to find that you, 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 when you start discovering a new strength within yourself, like it becomes a thing. But I feel like my biggest strength for me was my support system. Like between my husband, my friends that knew, my mother, my mother-in-law, like there was just, and, and my sister like i i get emotional when i talk about it because they, they everybody carried the matter on their head for lack of a better way to say it everybody like it became a thing where it was like okay so we aren't getting pregnant like it's all of us in this now and and i have and i have a very supportive spouse in the sense that like he i don't know how he does it but he knows just exactly how to be there for me emotionally like in terms of like where to meet me and my friends i can i don't play with my friendships because my my friendships are like sisterhoods like it's in my core like some of my best human beings were there for me at that time so yeah it's definitely your support system i feel like with infertility and with endometriosis or any kind of chronic illness it's very isolating. It's something that makes you like, you remove it from everybody and you start to compare yourself to other people. Like this person's getting pregnant. We're not like, what can she have? What conversation can she have with me? Like, you know what I mean? Like nobody knows what I'm actually going through. I am devastated. I'm in the abyss of my feelings and I am alone. It always makes you feel like you are alone. But yes. when it's the support system that makes you, brings you out of that and keeps reinforcing to the fact that you are not alone and that there are other people that are going through it, especially now i know that there's so many people that are going through endometriosis period like yeah there's so much that you can find yeah. just find that support system let's talk about you know life in general mm-hmm. now now that you you know have experienced endometriosis and hopefully the back of it <laughs> yes hopefully <laughs> yeah and ivf and you have your baby how do you balance life mom life work life and you know your health how do you do it all well, I, I mean, one thing that I can say is like through this process, I've also seen like where I could, like I've, I've learned to prioritize. I've learned to prioritize my life in general. Like I have a full-time job, but then I was also running um, a wedding inspiration website. So um, I think that during this process, I also found like more of my purpose and I wanted to talk about much more than just weddings. I want to talk about everything else. Like there's other stuff that we're going, like the other things that we can also celebrate beyond weddings. I feel like weddings are not the end all or be all of like a woman, a woman's life cycle at all. So it's not, it's, it's actually just one option in fact. So it, I just focused more and more and I have focused more and more about providing that happy and providing that, you know, like, safe space and remove space for women to like just be about other things so that it's not every time that we're just being about being a mom or like being a bride or anything like that and then in terms of like juggling my um my life like i don't even know if juggling is a real thing i just pri- i i've re- for me and i always say this i've redefined what full-time means for me so i'm in the office now four out of five days a week sometimes sometimes three and then i'm working on other things at the same time or like you know and then i and then I have my son now. So there's there's just, there's no balance, but I'm just, you know, basically prioritizing things differently now. So that's how it's going. But that's, that's what I'm doing. I, I, I found a purpose in the sense that I'm hoping, and I hope, I hope, I hope, I'm able to inspire other women yeah. that have endometriosis and to realize, and even women that have gone through failed IVF cycles that they you are able and you you will like it's it's okay like it might not be working out right now and it might be completely bleak right now but there has to be a silver line there has to be something at the end of this tunnel 
I'm hoping, and like I said, I've spoken to so many people after since I shared my story, and a lot of people have finally found their positives. Somebody that I know has gone through it for years, like 10 years of infertility, and she has finally had her positive, whether it's through adoption, whether it's through like the IVF, whether it's through like, you know, whatever choice you make, it's okay, whatever choice you make. It doesn't matter how it end, you end up, but you will have your happy ending. That's how I feel. And I'm hoping that that's what I'm able to inspire people to feel as well. Oh, thank you. I've, I've definitely felt inspired. And um, so. <laughs> I, I love your story. And um, I'm happy that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm really thankful for you. And I'm hoping that, you know, people that hear your story, will know that they as well like you said they are able they can overcome this hurdle they can Mm -hmm. overcome this process no matter how long it feels like it feels like they're in that situation for so long because endometriosis infertility it's it's a waiting game it's Mm -hmm. one of those things that you can't say when it will be over basically chronic you know Mm -hmm. so um but you know hearing your story has really inspired me and um because i know what you do in terms of your um lovely gasp inspiring ideas and (laughs) yeah making people know that it's not it just it's like it feels like a safe space or a happy place to go to a happy place exactly that's what i'm hoping yes so yeah so thank you so much for that and thank you for all you do thank you for sharing your story and um I'm hoping we speak again soon. Yes, yes. Kumbi said something that really struck me. She said endometriosis is time sensitive and gets worse with time. So the older you get in your reproductive years, I guess the more complicated endo can get. Unfortunately, endometriosis diagnosis times are still abysmal. 7 to 10 years is unacceptable and this is why we have to continue to talk about this. I'm really thankful for this platform that allows me to be able to listen to other women share their experiences and also hopefully reach out to many other women out there going through the same. I want you to know if you are experiencing infertility right now that you are not alone. I know how hard it can be knowing that this disease could potentially or even has robbed you of your ability to carry your own babies in your own hands. But I just want to say, don't give up. You are not alone. There are many avenues to love on a little human, whether through assisted reproduction, surrogacy, adoption or even fostering, don't give up on your dream and continue to advocate for yourself. Until next time, I am Tenya La Oguru and remember, you are not defined by endo.